And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. Hello. <laughs> We're here for another edition of the Weighing In Podcast, our midweek edition. We've got fights coming up tomorrow night at Bellator. And then on Saturday, we have the UFC with Dos Anjos now taking on the brand new opponent in Paul Felder because Islam Makashev was unable to continue on, got sick, happens part of life now. But we are back and we are going to talk about some cool stuff today. So what's up, baby? Hey, it's good. I'm excited and pumped for tomorrow night's Bellator on CBS. I got to tell you, I've been waiting a long time for this. The last time we were here at the Mohegan Sun when they were supposed to fight was March 13th on a Friday. They were we were moments away from us walking to the venue, all dressed up in our suits, and they told us that the fights were canceled because of COVID. Now we are back. Both all not both, I should say all four fighters have said that they are they're actually even happier that it didn't happen then because they've they've all gotten so much better since that moment. And there's been they've had more time to work on all the things that they wanted to work on while in quarantine. That's not why I'm happy. The reason I'm happy it didn't happen is no one knows this, but it was gonna be you and I. Yes. <laughs> That night because Maranoa got sick and I was going to end up having to take the play-by-play guy's spot and you were going to be yeah. doing your normal thing with color. And I was like, I am so fucked. <laughs> I am so fucked. He's so like, yeah. it, was, it was actually God looking down yes. and saving my fat ass. Yeah, yeah. That was exactly what happened. So You were a little bigger back then. Too. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. way bigger yeah. back then. Yeah, you lost a little bit of weight. Oh, I lost looking like good, pounds, buddy. Baby. Looking good. I actually was, saw a picture of us together, like um, we had a big group photo or whatever of all the production team guys and uh, and Jen and girls, and uh, and you were a lot bigger. And then now it was good. It was good. Maybe it's all the black you were. No, it's a little sleepy. little running, little you know, stop with the weight so much. You know? Yeah, we got to do something about to... about podcast Dave though. I mean, he's wearing that. I don't even know what that thing is—a sweater he's vest. He's got a cardigan V-neck. on. Yeah, he's got, he's a, got cardigan a cardigan on. on man. What is V-neck? with that cardigan? It's beautiful. I bet it's cashmere. It's beautiful. I don't, know if, I don't warm- know if that word means what you think it means. I'm warm, and uh, the studio's always freezing cold, so uh, I've got no complaints. No, no. Normally, it's hot in there. It's either too hot or too cold. It's just yeah, that's what- true. <laughs> it's that's true. If it's hot outside, it's hot. If it's cold outside, it's cold. And because uh, Josh doesn't turn on the AC or the heating. No, I am cheap. When it comes to that stuff, I am cheap. Um, look, there's no money in the gym business. That's why. That's why I keep the heater off and the AC off. Exactly. Hey, whatever it is, whatever it's hard the to pay the is, bills. Whatever the weather is outside, that's what you got to deal with, buddy. Sorry, <laughs> that's how it goes. Um, okay, so we got some complaints last week about the audio, so we're gonna try these mics this week. Hello, we'll we are we, listening to you. See? We are listening to you. The Try-in. rest of the comments in there, we don't really pay attention to, but some of the ones that we feel like we need, we need to make some adjustments on, we do. And uh, there's that. And then I also heard that it felt like there was an earthquake because I think John and I like to hit the, the desk. Yeah, we bounce around. And the uh, camera and the audio and stuff like that was shaking a little bit. So we're going to try not to slam the desk. So we've scooted ourselves away a little bit more. And it's still not going to work. Yeah, it's still not going to work. That's We're very animated, as you can tell. Look, let's just get right into it. We're going to talk real quick about Bellator, about the fights tomorrow night. That whole main card, I got to tell you, it to me is the most stacked card that we've probably had in about two or three years. Well, you got to look at it's only three because yeah. it's two hours, but it's two five round fights. And so yeah. it takes a lot of time because we have some fights on the undercard, the preliminaries yeah. that are outstanding fights. John DeJesus and Aaron Pico. Oh, I mean, John DeJesus is phenomenal. He's, he's someone that's just, he reminds me of a little bit of an Anthony Pettis, very explosive, willing to do anything 
come out of the wheelhouse. He'll jump off the fence too. Flying knees. We saw in his last fight. Uh, when he fought Tokov. Uh, oh no, no, no. Parachenko. Parachenko. Yeah. So when he fought Parachenko, two flying knees that he landed. One was clean flush. Oh. Aaron Pico has had problems in the past with people that leave their feet with flying knees. Adam Borch is fighting there, but Aaron Pico has made changes to his game, working with Greg Jackson down at uh, Jackson Wink. I got to tell you that. He looks like a completely different fighter. Last fight, or not last fight, but the fight before, sure, he wrestled and he got the win. He still won, but it was still separated. He's still separated. The fight, his last fight, though, against uh, Solo Hatley, he put it together all the way around from the feet to the ground, the combinations to the all of the wrestling that we knew he can wrestle, we knew he can box, but can you do the two things together? And he had never done that. That answered the questions to me. Now, the level up in competition against someone who's a phenomenal striker, can he do the same thing? That's what the difference will be. Well, it's interesting because he's never going to get credit for that Solo Hatley win because everyone's going to say, oh, you should have beat him. When Solo Hatley is one of the fastest, strongest individuals you'll find. So for at least a round and a half, and he's really got a gas tank. He proved that in his first fight in Bellator, but for at least a round and a half, he is hell on wheels, and the original Aaron Pico would have had problems with him because yeah. he would have been trying to fight him differently. Now, under Jackson Wink and what he's doing there, he's a lot more educated as a fighter. He's not going out trying to knock everybody out. He's going out to do what is the best way that I can get through this fight, getting a win and not being damaged. That's what a smart fighter does. That's what a guy that ends up having championship fights gets to, and that's what they're teaching him. And and it was a fantastic performance against a guy that's really good that no one really understands. Yeah, like you said, he's never going to get the credit he deserves only based on the fact that it will turn around and be like, well, you've got the credentials of wrestling. You've got the credentials of boxing. You've trained with all the top guys. You train with Freddie Roach. You train with, you know, Miguel Cotto. You've sparred with these guys. Like, not a lot of people can say that they've done that. And so a lot of a lot of burning is put on him to perform and to live up to this potential because of his wrestling background, because of the people he trains with. And not to mention, there's other guys out there that have had to live up to that type of stuff. But Aaron, at a young age, was put like at a very young age, was put at that. But then also, too, to come out straight off the Olympic ladder, uh, losing in the finals of the Olympic trials for wrestling, coming in and then having his fight. No one wanted to fight him. They believed, like, they got into all the hype. Only one guy, I think it was Zach Zimmerman. Z- Zach Zimmer? No. Zach. That was uh, Zach, um, ah, what is Zach's last name? Freeman. Yeah, Freeman. Thank Freeman. You. Zach Freeman. So, Zach Freeman went out there and was like, you know what, I'll take it. He had nothing to lose. He's like, I'll get me back in the big show. Goes out there and gets the win. Now, look, Aaron Pico since then has had up and down. But his last two fights, I saw the transition. And I've always been very critical of him only because I'm a good friend of his. Yeah. And when you're someone that cares for someone. with him. And I've trained with him. And he's very talented. He's good all the way around. And I can speak from experience. He's got big power in his hands. No doubt. Okay. There's no doubt about that. But I never saw him putting the two things together. Even when we trained, I wasn't allowed to kick to the head. I wasn't allowed to kick to the, you know, like you had to minimize how much you could kick to the legs. There's things that were put, no knees. Like there's a lot of things that you're not allowed to do sometimes when you're working with someone who's relatively new. But Aaron Pico, never in my mind did I doubt that he had the tools. It was just a matter of meshing it all together and listening to his coaches and getting out of his own way. I think now that he has done that, He's with a great camp. Greg Jackson is a wonderful coach. You know, uh, Jackson Wink, uh, both of them. Brandon Michael John, Gibson. All those guys. Mike, there, there you go. Yeah. All those guys there are phenomenal. Not to mention, when you have a gym full of champions and you show up there 
and they just take you in under their wing, and then you understand that your level of wrestling is probably better than all of them that are there. There's which, no one yeah, there's, can there's, there's no, they no can one wrestle with him. And he makes it look so easy and so fluid when he does it, when he's got to mesh the two things, from the boxing to the wrestling. He did that his last fight, and I got I to gotta sing his praise. I'm critical of him, but right now I have to sing his praise. I want to see him continue to do it because he's going to need to do it against De Jesus. Because if he doesn't do it against him, if he's going to be able to see, De Jesus will be able to see everything coming from a mile away. Now, to go back in the history of all this, John, he's trained with Antonio McKee. Not uh, AJ McKee. AJ McKee. And Antonio McKee as well. But AJ McKee would give him fits because of his speed, length, and athleticism. And I know that was an old Aaron Pico. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with a new Aaron Pico now. Yep. Okay, and I'm willing to say that this is a new Aaron Pico now. Will he still have the problems of someone who is fast and explosive and knows how to use their length and is very good on the feet? What do you think? I don't. I, I look at this fight and I look at Greg Jackson and Brandon and Mike. And look, they took this fight and they took it for a reason. They took it for the reason of, hey, we want you to see the difference because this is the exact style of fighter that has given Aaron fits in his young career. It's it's the Adam Borch. It's the guy that is super explosive, does a lot of athletic maneuvers, and Aaron can take him in and he can, he can take the fight and he can section it down into one part and win that part. But he can't at those times take and mesh it all together and make it to where he was a transitional fighter. I think he is a transitional fighter. He showed it in his last fight against Hatley, and I think this is almost their way of saying, we want you to see what what you can do as long as you stick with what we have been working on. And I think it's a good fight for Aaron. I think that it's it's a dangerous fight because De Jesus can definitely touch his chin. De Jesus on his feet is dangerous on the ground. There's no doubt Aaron can handle that situation with him on the ground, but he's got to get him there. And so it's how do you get there? Are you going to just become the wrestler? and shoot raw dog from the far outside, or are you going to use your hands to get you inside? Don't take damage. Take him off of his feet. Now you're talking about being a mixed martial arts fighter instead of a guy that is a wrestler and a boxer. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I think all he's got to do is close the distance using his punches and just use his wrestling to get at the ground. He's got to make that smooth transition from the stand-up to the ground. If he does that, I don't think De Jesus can get up off the bottom. I think just the control, the positioning that I saw in his last fight against Solo Hiley, I think I saw the type of control and the type of ground and pound I need to see that he could potentially get De Jesus out of there in one round if he gets him down fluidly without without taking, taking big damage. shots, big damage yeah. shots. Um, okay, look, to me, the best fight on the card, though, and I love the two main <laughs> fights, and you and I have been going back and forth all week about this. I'm telling you guys right now, both these guys are for real. 24-0 against 11-0. 24-0 right now. 35 up, none down. Thir- right now, at this current moment, if Khabib is truly retired, Yaroslav Amosov has the best record in all of MMA. He does. He's 24-0, and he's fighting 11-0 and he's Logan Storm. fought some yes. studs. He yes. fought studs before he came to Bellator. He's fought... He's fought the, the, you know, he has never turned down a fight. He'll take anyone. Yeah. He has asked for all the studs that, you know, are here that he could fight against. He wants that Lima fight. The guy, you know, you know, we, we talk with everybody that, you know, trains with him and stuff like that. And his coaches, and they are so high on him. Yeah. And they go, oh, my God, people have no idea 
how good this guy is because he didn't come from anything yeah. as far as he, he didn't have that, you know, background in wrestling. He didn't have that background in kickboxing or anything like that. This is a guy that walked into the gym, said, I want to be a fighter and started learning MMA. And he does everything beautifully. He transitions from one element to the next. His submission game is good. His wrestling is outstanding. His standup is outstanding. He's just a dangerous dude. And he loves fighting. Yeah. Logan Storley said it best yesterday. He doesn't fight at 100%. He fights at 60, 70, sometimes 80%. And he makes it look so easily easy. And that's what's going to, that's what's going to give Logan a little bit of problems, I think, because as he starts trying to put out the energy, Amosov is just cruising through all of these transitions. And we've, we've seen when he, when he fought Ed Ruth, he was able to hip toss Ed Ruth right to his back. You know, and, and he also won some of the scrambles. Yes, which is very unlike. You know, that's that's very the part where you real. Yeah, that's the part when you when you watch a guy that is not the wrestler, and he's going with a guy that did it for his entire life. Was a freaking you know one thirty six and three at Penn State, you know three time NC two A champion, and he wins the scramble with that guy. That's that's saying something. Yeah, it wasn't just the scrambles. I mean, he had legitimate takedowns that were just fluid, and they weren't just oh, yeah. off the kicks. They weren't just off throwing tra- uh, transitions from punching. They were actually nose to nose, head to head in the wrestling transitions, and Amosov was coming out on top. Don't get me wrong; it was a little bit harder for him to hold Ed down. But Ed is one of those guys, and people have talked about it. He has the cat-like reflexes. He hits the ground and he hits his butt, and he pops right back up. I like I, once again, I speak from experience of training with Ed. I foot swept him right to his butt before he hit as he hit the ground and bounced up. Before I could jump on him, he already came up on a double leg and took me down. So that's how explosive he is. And for someone that moves as well as he does, now you have Amosov who was able to control those positions, take him down, and keep him down. That says a lot. Logan Storley, though, when we talked to him in the fighter meeting yesterday, his working with Gilbert Burns, his working with Kamar Usman, his working with Robbie Lawler, all of those guys, he's made it very clear that he feels comfortable and good with with, um, Gilbert Burns on the ground in the submission department. Doesn't mean that Gilbert doesn't catch him, but he said no. He just feels like, you know, hey, I feel like Gilbert's done a lot for me and helping me get better on the grappling aspect of it all. Working with Usman, the two of them, iron sharpening iron kind of thing, the wrestling. They have a little bit different styles of wrestling as he made it very clear. There's times where he can get the advantage. There's times where Usman gets the advantage. With Robbie, Robbie's Robbie's a big time mentor to him. It makes him understand the importance of respecting people's power. You know, and uh, and and this that big brother a little bit. Robbie's like, such an amazing Robbie's guy. Robbie's been someone a have huge around. influence yes. in Logan's career. Even though Logan's career is still young, if you're looking at it that way, you know, he will tell you, I have, I've been able to bypass so many mistakes because Robbie Lawler has told me about him and led me down the path that has let me just not make that mistake and continue on in my learning process. He goes, and that's one of the good things about me working at Sanford, you know, working with Henry Hoof. He goes, I don't work against who I'm going to be fighting against. I just work at getting better. That's what we, that's what we concentrate on. I, every time that I'm training with someone, I work at getting better at what I'm doing. And that's the right attitude. It's the right way to look at this. But man, he is up against it. Because if you're looking at head to head, you know, and Logan's got wins against guys that people recognize, like Joaquin Buckley, who did the fantastic, you know, spinning kick in the UFC, that you know, incredible knockout. He's got wins here where he dominated him. And he has basically dominated every fighter that he's been in there with, you know, AJ Matthews and guys like that. But he has not faced the quality of competition that Yaroslav has. And now he's making a big step up 
in that level of competition. He is now facing a guy that can test him everywhere. And so it's going to be really interesting to see because one of the things we see wrestlers all the time come into MMA and they just don't make that transition. It is a different type of wrestling. It's a different type of takedown. It's set up differently than what you did, you know, for your entire life. But Logan has really been one of those guys you go, man, his wrestling is made for MMA. The way he does it, the way he comes in, the way he's able to control at the hips, get into the legs, bring the legs up. His positioning is outstanding. His pressure is outstanding. So it's a it's an interesting fight. This is going to be fun to watch. What I get excited for is just the young talent that we're seeing displayed like this this week as well as next week and then going into December as well. Like Bellator has a lot of young, very talented and exciting fighters that are that are ready to perform. So I'm amped up, especially for that fight. That's like to me, I'm like, look, of course, I want to see, you know, the title fight, you know, um, between Pedro Cavallo. Cavall- <laughs> now we've Come- said it. We've said it so many times because we want to make sure because he's he's from Portugal. He's Carvalho. 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 So, uh, Carvalho. Yeah. So we want to make sure, make sure I say it correctly. We've said it so many times. What do you do? Like Goldie. Carvalho. Yeah. Carvalho. 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 Yeah. Carvalho. Carvalho. There you go. Anyways. <laughs> well, because we had, we had, uh, uh, Rafael. Rafael Car- Carvalho. 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 So we had, yeah. But one's from Brazil. One's from Brazil. One's from, one's from Portugal. And so we've been back and it's forth. Just it's, it's been funny. We went over it so many times. Now I'm second guessing everything I say. But we've got that ti- that that title fight that's happening as the main event, and then we got Emmanuel Sanchez and da- Emmanuel Sanchez and Daniel Weishel. That fight to me is going to be it's a rematch, a very close fight between the two. Daniel Weishel has said that Emmanuel Sanchez really hasn't changed; he's still the same fighter. And it's funny because Emmanuel Sanchez said he's the same exact fighter that I fought before, except that I am better. And they've both had time during this quarantine to really make adjustments and improvements in their game. That fight to me is exciting only because Emmanuel Sanchez has that tough, gritty Mexican style pressure. Oh, yeah. He's just going to bite down on his mouthpiece, walk you down, throw big punches. And not to mention, he's been now working with Lovato Jr. on the ground. Don't get me wrong. He had great transitions from his old coach in jiu-jitsu. But then he now has made into the transitions of working with Lovato Jr., which is, I feel like, a little bit of a level a step up. It is. But you got you to say it is. It's also an MMA level of step up. That's You've the whole reason. You've seen what Lovato Jr. can do when he did against Gegard Mousasi, getting up from the bottom, that half-guard sweep, different types of levels of sweeps to get back from, from the bottom. And Daniel Weichel, if, he, uh, if Daniel Weichel wins this fight, it will be from the top position in controlling or just keeping his distance on the feet. If he is on bottom, he is not winning this fight, I don't think. Whereas Demayo Sanchez, if he's on top, he can do some work as well as get to the back in nice fluid transition. He's quick on getting to the net. And he's also very good at getting up off of his back. Yes. You know, he, he uses his feet on the hips. He pushes off really well. But And I want to give nothing but credit to Daniel Vanderlei was yes. Emmanuel Sanchez's jiu-jitsu coach. And he did a remarkable job in bringing Emmanuel up to that point. But it is the difference of when you got a guy like Lovato Jr. and he has fought and been in there and understands what really works from jujitsu and what you can focus on and compared to uh, that's really not good. It, it never worked for me there. Maybe it'll work for you, but I, I wouldn't suggest that. I, I think we, we want to go with this. You know, everything that Rafael did when he was working his way up to be middleweight champion in Bellator, he was so impressive. And you looked at the transitions and the way that he caught guys in submissions, but it was his control. 
the way that he was able to control someone once that fight hit the ground, they were not getting up from him. That was what was so impressive. And that's what Emmanuel says he's bringing to this, you know, element now of, of his career. So I did, I look at this and, you know, both guys said it was good that, you know, the fight, you know, was delayed. They both feel that they got better. I look at it, you know, the first time they fought, it was a split decision. It could have gone either way. It was that close of a fight. Five rounds, Josh. When it goes five rounds, I've seen Daniel Weichel in five-round fights against Pitbull. You know, and, and look, in the first time he fought Pitbull, he had Pitbull in trouble. Yeah. He was that close to winning that fight. But the second time, he started to slow down. Emmanuel Sanchez does not slow down. And if this fight starts to get into that third, fourth, fifth round, I think that there's going to be a difference in the output that you see from Emmanuel Sanchez comparatively. There's a difference in age when you get a little bit older. Now, it's not that Daniel Weichel old. I think he's 35 or so. Yeah. But, you know, it is that pressure that Sanchez brings. When you bring that type of pressure, it is hard for someone to deal with because they always have to be moving. If you are not moving your feet to stop that pressure so you have to make that person change angles, and on top of that, doing something that makes them pay for bringing that pressure, you know, you're, you're on defense and you're going to be in trouble. So Vaishal has got to have a really high output for him to stay in this fight with Emmanuel Sanchez. So it's an interesting fight. At five rounds, I, I got to give Sanchez the nod. Yeah, I'm going to give Sanchez the nod as well. But the one thing I want people to understand is that, to me, the best technician in this whole in this whole uh, night of fights is Daniel Weichel. He's someone that will make guys fight his fight. You know, there's there's other guys that, off the top of my head, I'm not coming to, it's not coming to mind, but they make them fight his fight. Like, GSP was kind of that way a little bit. Yeah. Like, he would make guys fight his fight, and when you tried to extend yourself, he would take you down. He would make people want to get after him and chase after him and make it easier for him to get the takedown. Well, yeah, you look at, you know, a guy that you were super high on was Sal Rogers. Yes. And he fought Daniel Weichel in that first round of the Grand Prix, and it was Daniel Weichel making Sal Rogers fight his fight, not able to do what he wanted to do. That was the difference in the fight, and so it's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, if you guys watch the broadcast tomorrow night on CBS Sports, you guys, it will be live as well, and then the prelims will be on uh, our YouTube channel be on uh i believe it's also on the cbs app cbs sports app um my thing is is that daniel weichel will make Emmanuel sanchez fight his fight for at least two to three rounds he's going to be able to stick and move circle use his lateral movement he talks a lot about that's what he's mainly been working on understanding that that's how Emmanuel sanchez fights but i think in that fourth and fifth round is where you're going to see Emmanuel sanchez start to pick up the pace really start to put the pressure but he's gonna have to pull some tricks out of his bag because as we saw with Sal Rogers, that he can't just go out there and shoot. Sal Rogers is tough. Oh, yeah. Not he's just tough, but he's physically strong. Super strong. And he's a kind of a big guy for that weight class. And he was not able to get a takedown against Daniel Weichel. And he wasn't able to hold him down when he did hit he and did, did him. Down, him. But he hopped right back up. And Daniel Weichel hurt him a couple times. In that fight, Daniel Weichel showed that he there's not a takedown that Emmanuel Sanchez has in his book that he's not going to be able to stop. Now, he's going to have to pull something out of there. A leg scissor takedown, some sort of foot sweep, something to do to to op- to, to make him think about that. Because I don't think a straight double leg is going to work. I don't think a, a single leg to a double leg is going to work on Daniel Weichel in regards to Emmanuel Sanchez. The physical strength is not there, I think, as well as the wrestling credentials is not there. But the mix-up of striking to the takedown, as long as, he, as long as he's landing clean shots and able to shoot on it, he may be able to sneak one in there. But will he be able to hold him down? That's the other question. 
like I will agree with you the first the as the fight goes on in a five round fight I'm gonna lean towards Emmanuel Sanchez um but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good fight and it's gonna see whoever can dictate the pace and who can impose their will the most is gonna win that fight yeah well Daniel Weichel's got the background you know, he, he used to be with ATT Dean Thomas is who gave him his black belt and so he can he can roll there's no doubt about it and his wrestling as far as defensively is outstanding. He is super hard to take down, especially when he gets against the cage, you know, he uses the cage very well. So when you're talking about, this is, this is about, a, uh, it's about experience. And I, and I look at Sanchez in his first matchup fought Taiwan Claxton. And when you look at that, you're looking at a guy that had very little experience and it was the pressure of Sanchez. That was the difference. He tired Claxton out quickly because of what he does. Yeah. It, Claxton never had that moment to catch his air, and he learned something from it. Well, he's not, you know, in this one right here, because of all of the uh, experience of Vaishal and what he has done, he's got an over 50-fight career. He's smart enough to know how to stop exactly what Sanchez does. It's just my question of how long is he able to stop it for? I guess we'll find out. That's why yep. we fight the fight, right? Yeah, that's it. So, also, the main event tomorrow, Patricio Pitbull versus Pedro Cavalli. <laughs> Man, you guys are going to get me off. Carvalho. Carvalho. God, it's man. the U on I'm the gonna, end. I'm going to mess this up on air. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to call him Pedro. That's <laughs> I'm it. Just gonna call him, or I'm the game. Pedro. I'm cutting it out, man. The or the game. game. That's his name now, the game. Look, when I interviewed him today for the um, before the weigh-ins, we talked about he's been very active on social media. Oh, And not oh, only is he active, but he's been very positive about he believes that he has all the tools and all the things to beat. Patricio Pitbull. Yep. Now, I also heard today Luke Thomas say that Patricio Pitbull is the best fighter in Bellator. I would have to agree with him. I'm not trying to take anything away from Douglas Lima, and I'm not taking anything from Gegar Mousasi or Nemkov, who I think are the ones that are right there in that mix of conversation of who are the best guys in Bellator. Patricio Pitbull is 30-4 and in his record. Two of those losses he's redeemed. One of them was against Benson Henderson, who he took a fight on. It's just for fun. And he was actually winning. Oh, he was fight. winning that fight. He was winning that he fight. Broke his leg. And he broke his leg. And he still kept trying to fight until yeah. finally he realized he couldn't walk. Yep. You know? And so uh, the one he never got back was the Joe Warren fight, which was early in his career. Yep. But let's be honest. He's won those other two fights that he needed to win to get back. So he's, he's basically, you would say, 30-2 and two or 32-2 and two now, I guess. Whatever you want to call it. But he's redeemed himself on two of those losses. I think he is the best fighter in Bellator. I also would put him in that category of being one of the best featherweights of all time. I'm not saying he's the GOAT. No. I'm simply just saying that he is he should be considered, from all the media and from everyone else, he should be considered one of the best featherweights of all time. I'm not going to get into the lightweight talk because, look, the <laughs> no. lightweight talk and conversation is he took that fight out of just respect for his family and not just his brother, but all the things that Chandler had said about his family, and he wanted to go out there and, and, and fight him for it. And he did. He went out there and knocked Michael Chandler out. Yep. Which was impressive. First round. Yeah, first round. So the fact is, is I'm not going to put him in that lightweight category because I don't think he plans no, on he doesn't, there. No, he doesn't belong there. I don't think he wants to be there. He just did it strictly to beat up Michael Chandler, and he did a good job of that. So when he moved out of that position, like I think he hasn't moved out or vacated that title yet because they're still trying to settle in what's going on at 55. But he is a featherweight. He technically, if he lost a little bit of muscle, he could be a 35-pounder. Yeah. You know, and he'd be a very good 35 pounder. So, but my, my take on him is you, I see a lot of Henry Cejudo in him. And I see a lot of him in Henry Cejudo. 
the two of them, because they are training partners together, I can see why Henry Cejudo has the confidence he has to be calling out Volkanovski because he's got a training partner that mimics almost the exact same style that Volkanovski is, except I think that Patricio hits harder. Patricio probably has a little bit better wrestling. Patricio, I don't think is as... He is pretty thick, but I don't think he's as tall and as thick as Volkanovski. I, w- I won't give Patricio the wrestling. I think Volkanovski is actually the you better so? wrestler. Yeah, but okay, there's no doubt. I say anti There's no doubt that Patricio is the better submission fighter. Okay, Patricio's definitely got the submission he's game way, way, way over, way over Volkanovski. But power wise, Volkanovski can hit. But Patricio has proven time and time again he's got that one punch power, and that's rare when you get into the 145 pound class. So. He does mimic, and it's you can see from the time that Henry Cejudo and Patricio started working out together, they both got better, and that's what it's about. It's you know those little things that alter your game that make you just that little notch better, and that has happened. It's it's funny to me if you look at this fight. Carvalho has he's finished his last three opponents. Okay, he's won. He hasn't lost since he went and made the move to SBG and making that move was a big thing because we're talking about a guy who moved his entire life and he looks old, but he's not. And so he's made a lot of hard, he's only 24. I know he's made a lot old. of hard decisions and he's, and he's taken the hard road, but going to SBG was a huge improvement in who he is as a fighter. He has not lost since he's been there. And on top of that, it's, he's getting the confidence because he is finishing guys. You know, he finished Derek Campos. He finished Sam Cecilia in the first round. Well, second round of the fight, but first round of the the uh, Grand Prix where you can go and look at Patricio. Patricio, I think his last four fights, he's got three decision wins. Yeah. His only win without a decision is against Michael Chandler in the first round by knockout because, you know, his first fight in the Grand Prix was against Juan Archuleta. He easily won, you know, the five rounds in that, but wasn't able to put him away. And so... I look at it and I understand where Pedro is getting that confidence. I really do. But it comes down to that point, and I, and I say it in the with the greatest of respects, you don't know what you don't know until you know, until someone shows you, oh, there is this next level. Oh, when you're in here and you can't be that guy because Pedro has got to push, he's got to push Pitbull back. If you don't push Pitbull back, you can't win the fight is the way I look at it. So you've got to be the guy that can push him back. And I don't know if he can push him back. I don't know if he's got that because the power that he hits with is not there to hurt him with the one shot. He's got to hit him with multiples to hurt Pitbull because Pitbull's got a chin. Yes. You know, he's got a he's got a rock in the in the front of his face on that jawline. So it's when you can't hurt him and Pitbull doesn't respect you, there's problems. So we'll see what happens. He's got to gain that respect, and he's got to make Pitbull at least start to angle out, turn laterally to get just space, readjust. If he can get, just get that much, then he's got the chance. So I'm not saying I'm counting him out. It's just that we've seen a change in both Pitbull brothers, but specifically Patricio. And I think we, and I've, like I said, I go back and forth with how if you look at Henry Cejudo, he rushes out to the center of the cage. He has the wide stance. Patricio and him both the have that style. Thing. A little bit of that beginning, like those earlier stages of Conor McGregor. Ran out, took the center of the cage, wide stance, long reach, long range. But neither one of them have long reach, long range in Henry or in Patricio. But they utilize their speed and their power 
very well in that in those lower weight classes. And I think that's why they've been so effective. They use that for their kicking. They use that for their wrestling. They use that for their striking. It's good judgment for distance. They're doing a wonderful job, the two of them. But Patricio right now, I feel like is is being a little, I wouldn't say overlooked because like you were saying, he's gone the distance a couple of times. But there wasn't a moment in that fight with one arch letter where he was losing. No. There wasn't a moment at all. And I think you could potentially even say one of the rounds, maybe even two, but I would say one for sure was like, could have been a 10-8 round where he dropped uh, Juan, was able to follow up, and then he threatened also submission or a guillotine in one of those positions. Like, he had such dominant performances in all of those fights. It, The only fight I was really a little concerned for him was the Chandler fight because he was giving up so much weight. I've seen pictures of Chandler, you know, um, weighing in the day of and then that by that evening weighing 180 something patricio's probably walking around 65 maybe 60 60 i would say 65 somewhere between 60 and 65 somewhere in there like for him to for him to go out there and start chandler the way he did to me it that was the only fight that i was really concerned about like even with the benson fight look sure was he giving up the size but he was landing the cleaner shots he was doing the most damage uh, he was the active. He was the more of the active fighter in throwing the combinations, and he was winning that fight. Yeah, you know, and so for him to give up that weight, he was beating Benson to the punch in every little transition they had, and and so that's that's what gave me a little bit of confidence when he was when he had fought Chandler. But Chandler's a different animal when it comes to the speed and the power, especially in the early rounds. But now he's the champ, champ, and I don't think at any moment should anyone ever overlook him. I feel like Pedro is a little bit. Because when he talked to him yesterday, he said, all these guys, they give him too much respect. They don't, they, you know, they, they respect his power too much. They respect that he's the champ too much. And I'm not going to do that. I think it's, it's smart to go I in there like with that. I like that mindset. I do. But that mindset will also get you in a lot of trouble. Can. Come fight time. Look, if you overextend trying to put too much pressure, that's one of those things that Emmanuel Sanchez sometimes does. He puts himself out of position sometimes by trying to put too much pressure. And when doing that, that could lead to you getting knocked out by someone like Patricio Pitbull. Just, just, just look. Go back and look at the weigh-ins. Yeah. Okay. Now, just that, just that little thing is me saying I don't respect you, man. I want you to know that. And, and I look at that and I go, "Hey, just back it up. You just gotta back it up because it's easy to talk, but when you step in there, the talk's all done, and it really doesn't matter about any of it. You've got to prove it, and that's what's gonna happen tomorrow night." But I love the confidence in, of uh, Cavallo. I think that he's gotten a lot of that from the guys that he's with at SBG. They believe in themselves. That's a good thing. There's a whole thing between SBG and the Pitbull brothers anyway. So it's just going to be fun. Yeah, I've, I've said the, it's the guys that talk the most trash that motivate Pitbull the most. You know, and we've seen it when he when he when he beat Michael Chandler. We've seen it when with other guys in the past where they have just talked and talked and talked, and he's come out and just starched him, and he's come out and just put a beating on him. You know, um, he does it too when guys don't talk trash, but it's a little bit more of a motivational factor, I believe, for him. And he actually he he builds off of it. He, he craves it, and then he I, I talked to him in the before the weigh-ins today at the in an interview, and. That's exactly. He's like, no, it's good. It's good for the sport. It's good for the sport. It's good for me. It makes me strong. Like, you know, these are things that is well, true. If you go back and you watch him, and one of the things I knew when I was refereeing him in fights is he was such an emotional fighter. He would get mad. He would get mad on the outside of the cage, and he would get mad on the inside against his opponent at times. And you went, don't do that, man. Don't. You're, you're losing. You're losing your composure. That's not the way to fight. He doesn't do that anymore. 
I have in the, in his last 10 fights, I have not seen him do that. He will mouth off and say stuff outside of the cage like he did with Michael Chandler. But as soon as he steps in, no more emotion, no more. I, I, I don't worry about that. I let the fight take care of the fight. Then we'll see what happens. Well, like you so, said, the weigh-ins. He would have uh, normally have done oh, what? He would have slapped, he slapped him, the hand out of the yeah. way. He would have pushed him. Would have exactly. Came after and that's him. where I, yeah. I look at the composure. The composure is everything. Hey, you know what, though? Tomorrow night, CBS Sports, it will be live. You can also check out the prelims on the YouTube channel, on the Bellator YouTube channel. Uh, go there. Um, Let's do this real quick. Let's go weighing in on the odds. Let's We're going to talk it. Bellator for weighing in on the odds. I think, honestly, there's some good numbers that are we can bet on for this fight. MyBookie.ag, if you look at the odds that are there, there's some big there's some big fights as far as differences and it really is interesting as far as you know we talked just about you know Cavayu and and Pitbull right there they've got Cavayu as I think a minus I mean a plus 500 plus yeah. 500 on a guy that you know says there's no doubt I'm going to win this fight believes in himself you know, you look and you go, ah, do you, you know, do you want to put 50 bucks down on that and, you know, come out with 250 bucks? Yeah. It's not a bad bet because there's always the chance that he can land that shot. He could get the submission. He's got an incredible guillotine. His guillotine is tight. Both of them have great guillotines. Patricia has no neck, so I'm not going with that, buddy. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> with that. That's true. No. But, you know, he's got those traps sitting on top that stop his neck. But, you know, you look and there's really some interesting odds in this. The Storley Amazov fight that we talked about, you know, I look at that as look if that fight ends, you know, on the feet, you're going to have Amazov winning. If yeah. it ends on the ground, you look towards Storley winning the fight. But it, there's there's a little bit of a gap there. They've got Storley as a pretty significant underdog in that, even though he's an undefeated fighter. Yeah, but Amazov's undefeated also. Yeah, okay, Twenty four that part. Yeah. Double, du double <laughs> the number, not, almost more than double. Look, I'm going to tell you guys, like I said. The the fight, if I was to make a bet, not that I'm not that I would bet against Aaron Pico. I'm saying that the odds are so good. Like they're actually they're they're rooted against Aaron Pico. Is so that a plus seven? John De Jesus is plus five hundred. So if you bet a hundred bucks, you win five hundred. Uh, look, it just is one of those fights because Aaron has had pa had uh, problems in the past with people that are extremely athletic. People with uh, they like to throw flying knees. He's had those issues. If you were to put a hundred bucks on John De Jesus over Aaron Pico, there's a chance of you coming away with another five hundred. It's one of those kind of like bets that you could say, "Hey, if I lost a hundred bucks, but if I win, you know, I'm coming away with five hundred. So it's it's one. I think Aaron Pico wins the fight, but I, you won't know until they fight. Like you said, you don't know until you know, buddy. So that's kind of the position I'm in on that one. If I was to make a bet, I would still take. I would still. For me, Aaron Pico's gonna win the fight because he's my boy, and I think I think he does. I think he's he's progressed well, so much. Want, like, they don't want to bet on it. You don't want that, but I'm talking <laughs> I'm talking about the odds until until I think he proves um, that he can deal with, with with people that are that explosive, that um that athletic, that dynamic in all areas of the, of the fight. I think it's it's one of those bites you one of those bets that people would like to take a chance on. Dude, even so, if you just put twenty bucks on it, yeah, man. exactly. You can win. You can win big. Make that twenty into a couple hundred. The Daniel Weishel and um the Daniel Weishel and Emmanuel Sanchez fight is is pretty close. I mean they're pretty. It's plus uh, Daniel Weishel's plus one ninety five. 
So if you're going to bet a hundred bucks, you win ninety five bucks. I mean, I don't know. If that's such a split fight. I don't know. I'd take no, a chance no, no, to bet a hundred no, bucks. No, no, no. You bet a hundred bucks, you win one hundred ninety five. Sorry, my bad. I'm, yeah. I apologize. So, um, but yeah, I still, I still. Your betting world's different than my betting world. Yeah, I still, I still don't know if I would take that bet because they are so close. And Daniel Weichel is what four years older since the last time they fought. And Manuel Sanchez right now is feels like he's coming into his own a little bit. I feel like he's peaking at this moment. He's also got a nutrition and diet, uh, diet dietitian. Uh, he's got someone who's working with him on his diet. So he said he's never had this much. It's never been this easy for him to make weight. He's on point right now. Not that Dale Weiss was not, but I'm saying, I don't know if I would take that bet. Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, it's a, sometimes, you know, when you talk about betting, don't bet with the people sometimes that you, well, I think if, you know, if I'm, if you're going to ask me who's going to win, I'm going to say this guy, but does this guy have a chance? And you look at the odds and go, yeah, he does have a, he's got, he's got a decent chance and all it takes is one. So, I'll put a little bit to see if that odds will work for me. I might lose the bet, but that's okay because I don't put a ton of money out on it. Yeah. And you just see if the odds will work for you. Don't, don't, you don't put the same amount yeah. of money out no matter which guy you're going with. You put a different amount. Yeah. Like when I, when I do the, when I bet on the Kentucky Derby, I didn't bet on the favorite. I bet on the guy, people that were the second and third place. And I just put a hundred bucks on each one and one significant amount of money. Significant amount of money. I don't trust them either. Horses got skinny legs. They, they want me some money. That's all I cared about. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, okay. So let's uh, let's talk about the UFC now. The UFC had a, a point oh, of change. Islam Makachev, who is my teammate and one of my good friends, uh, he had to pull out. I didn't hear that he got sick. I heard it was an injury. I didn't know it was a COVID situation. Did you hear that? That's what I was told. Okay, so it could be wrong. Yeah, I was told it was an injury, but it, you know, everyone kept out. Wishing him well on uh, getting better in terms of his injuries. So, but whatever. If it is COVID, brother, whatever. With you. He'll be, he'll um, be fine. I, I haven't talked to him uh, since we've been here, and I, he just pulled out as of recently. But um, yeah, wish him a speedy recovery and everything. Uh, whether it's uh, COVID or whether it's, it's too bad because that was going to be a good that fight. That was going to be a great fight, but. He's he's all I was going to tell you, Islam did come out and say that he picked up an infection, um. So he did say and he specified infection. Uh, but that, that's as much as he said. Okay, so okay. maybe not COVID. Maybe, maybe a staph infection. That's the only thing I could say. Infection would be probably like a staph, staph. infection. Yeah. MRSA. Yeah. That's a lot worse than COVID. It's also tra- it's also a translation, so infection could yeah. be sickness or whatever. Could well. be the virus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, well. Um. Okay, so but then guess what? Paul Felder, baby. Paul Felder steps in. The goes, Irish yeah. dragon. You got to love the dude. I love that guy, though. He's... This could be a fun fight. It is. It's just I, I worry about, you know, the conditioning of Felder, even though he's always in shape and he's been doing work for triathlons and stuff like that. So, but, you know, fighting is different than all that stuff. would you ever do a work for triathlons? Oh, God, I don't know either. God, I'm the same thing. I have thing. no idea. When people say triathlons, I'm like, yeah, go screw yourself. Well, as soon as they say triathlon, I go, I'm out. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about marathons. People are like, yeah, let's run a marathon. I'm oh, like, God. yeah, I don't even like to drive 26 miles, let alone run 26 well, miles. Well, it's, it's all, look at, if you have to run 26 miles, you have parked the car way too far away from the <laughs> fucking problem or the area you want to go to. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think, like you said, I am a little bit concerned about the shape because no matter how much of that stuff you do, yeah. there's there's the conditioning shape of the shoulders, the yes, back, the, the, the lifting, arms, the, the shoulders legs. are huge. Sure, all those things your body is in shape to do, but they are meant to do for biking, for swimming, for running. It's not the same as fighting, no. you know? And um, as much as that probably is one of the most closest things that will get you ready for fighting, yeah. I don't still, it's not still not fighting. So I would also say, though, that... Dos Anjos coming back down in weight, that may be a significant weight cut for him that may peter out towards the end of the fight. It is a five-round fight. Will he have the conditioning himself 
with that weight cut to go the full five. And Paul Felder, we know, can do that. And he actually, when he fought Dan Hooker, was coming on. Oh, yeah. Towards the end of that fight. You know, and I mean, you could say the fight went to, to Paul Felder. I had it for Hooker, but I could say it was it was a close fight, and I wouldn't have been mad either way. Yeah, I, think I had it for Felder. Yeah, I thought oh, you Felder, had it for Felder. I, I, I thought had Felder won the fight, and you know, it might be a little bit of a homer on that, but because I really like Paul. But it's a matter of you take a look who Paul has been fighting, and he's been fighting the upper echelon mm-hmm. in the lightweight category where Dos Anjos has been fighting welterweights, and the only the, the real difference that I you know I look at. Nobody finishes Dos Anjos, really. You look at all of his losses, they're all decisions, decisions. Now, I think his last loss due to stoppage was uh, Eddie Alvarez yes, when he I took the title. Was. You know, and you take a look, and he got hit with a shot, and, you know, Eddie was able to, you know, get the referee to end up stopping the fight. And, it, you know, that, it was a good stoppage. I don't want to say anything about that, but yeah, it, it happens. Like you were saying something. No, 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 no. It happens. <laughs> you know, it happens when you get, you get touched and hit. But most of the time, and you can take a look at, you know, Dos Anjos, he's been in with Kamaru Usman. He's been in with Colby Covington. He's been in with these guys. Oh, Robbie Lawler, are, too, I believe. Oh, he beat Robbie Lawler. Yeah. And he's been in with these guys that are at the upper echelon of the welterweight division. So, you know, going in, maybe there might be a little bit, just a little bit of speed factor that he's going to have to get a little used to. Felder has got very fast, powerful kicks, good hands. But if it hits the ground... Dos Anjos is going to be able to relax for a lot of it. Not that, you know, Paul can't handle himself on the ground. It's just that Dos Anjos is just better there. You know, and he's going to be more relaxed if it hits the ground. His ability to control the position is going to be a little bit better. Paul's going to have to work really hard to get up from that. And that's where I look at the gas tank, you know, being it's a five-round fight. If it was a three-round fight, I wouldn't worry about Felder at all yeah. in it. But, I, you know, I, I give him props for taking that fight, for stepping up. I do know that, you know, yeah. Dos Anjos came out and was he Dos Anjos offered the fight oh. to Michael Chandler. And you look and you go, all right, I don't like that. He's trying to call him out. But, mm-hmm. you know, and he was upset and basically said something, you know, to Chandler over uh, social media about, you know, what uh, shame on you for not taking the fight. I, I like the fact that Dos Anjos, you know, offered him the fight, but it's the UFC that has to yes. offer him the fight. And they didn't offer him the fight. So there was nothing for him to take. They had already lined up Paul Felder, and that's a good person to put into that role. Yeah, you know, I I agree. I think I think if you're looking for a good main event and a good you know uh, star-studded attraction, I think Paul Felder slides right in there. And you know, he's physically probably in the best shape of his life as far as in terms of conditioning and cardio. But I mean, like, if it's not fight shape, I think Paul Felder and him makes for a more exciting fight than him and Michael Chandler. Just my opinion. Yeah, and I, I look at it. I look at it. You know, if if I was the UFC and I'm gonna put on, uh, you know, a main event fight, five round fight, I want to do some more building of Michael Chandler because a lot of people, a lot of their fans, don't know who he is. They haven't seen him fight because they're, you know, a lot of their fans only watch the UFC. And so you look and you what go. What kind of building do you need, though? Well, you know, you, like, you mean, take a look. No better, no, there's not a whole lot of bigger names for him to fight than Dos Anjos. No, not for Chandler. But I, I honestly, I think they have Tony Ferguson lined up to fight Michael Chandler. I think that is the fight that they want. That's what they want to see. And I think that's the angle they're trying to go to. I just don't. Like, for me, I feel like Tony is, for Michael Chandler in a five-round fight, is not a good fight. Eddie Alvarez, I just saw a tweet he did the other day. He thinks that Michael Chandler beats Tony Ferguson. And do you? Yes, I do. You do. And I think that Tony And I love Tony, so it's not it's it's no there's an age thing that's going on. Yeah, here. that's that's true. That's what gets me a little I'm a little concerned. But in a five round fight, 
the output that Tony Ferguson puts out, he will push and push and push. And we saw when he fought, um, sorry, I just skipped my mind. Uh, Justin Gaethje, when he fought Justin Gaethje, he even when he was getting tagged, he was losing the fight. He kept coming forward. That's who he is. That's not like with Michael monster. Chandler He's in the monster. fourth and fifth round because it will be a main event fight for Michael Chandler's first fight. Yeah, it will not be a three round fight. No, I agree. The amount you. of money they're paying, him, especially it'll be five if it's rounds. against Tony and against Tony Ferguson, it'll be a five round fight in the main event. And that pressure of your first fight in the in in, in the UFC, you you're putting a lot of if Tony Ferguson puts that pressure on him, yeah, he's gonna struggle. Mike, no, Michael Chandler has been in there with guys that have you know look at. You can go to you know the Eddie Alvarez. Both of the fights, both of them were fantastic. Both of, of them were, you know, especially the second one, which I was lucky enough to be part of. Man, those guys put out so much. There was one round that was a little slower than the rest, and just they they were incredible throughout that. And you look at all of the five round fights that Michael Chandler has had. He's not going to have any problem with. The pressure that Tony brings, what he will have pressure with, the problem with, is the damage that can be done by Tony because Michael Chandler marks up. Michael Chandler swells up. Michael Chandler cuts. He's not that guy where you look and you go, man, how does that guy take those shots mm-hmm. and not show it? Like he ben shows Anderson. it. No, like exactly. Benson doesn't take any damage. Yeah, ben, Benson's, you, you never see anything on Benson. No. You know, BJ Penn used to be that way. You know, it's like, what what is your skin made of? Yeah. You know, and Michael's not that guy. And so, and it's always, in my opinion, when Tony is fighting and he's able to mark you and he's able to draw oh, blood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me. It just more, it just pumps him up and it puts him in another gear. He shifts it up into another level and he just becomes that much more of, of a problem for you. And so that could happen in that way. Yeah, and that, but that's my take on it though. My take is the same as yours in that uh, in that retrospect on that aspect. But I think that as it gets in in the fourth and fifth, and we've seen with guys like Brent Primus, we've seen with other guys he's fought with Benson Henderson, he slows down a lot in the fourth and fifth, and that motivates Tony even more when he sees you backpedaling, when he sees you not responding, when he sees you trying to get out of fighting him. He that just kicks him into more of a gear. Yeah, he's like, let me just upshift a little bit. The, the other element that I, I look at Chandler and I say, I, I look at the guys that gave Chandler problems were guys that had strength, especially lower body strength. Mm-hmm. They were able to make him have to work in areas and stuff like that. Premise being very strong, you know, and stuff. Tony's not that guy. You're right. He's not that. He's that, not physically strong at all. He's not a physically strong guy. He's a physically damaging guy, and so. Yes, he can damage Chandler, but he can't outmuscle Chandler. Chandler's no. going to be way stronger than Tony. So it's it's that's why I think the UFC looks at this and goes, yeah, this is the fight we want. We want to see. We want to see, can Tony come back and be that guy that he's been and do the damage to this guy that, you know, is super athletic, very fast, starts real hard. Can he do that? Or is this guy going to just basically go and push Tony to that next level as far as another loss? like Justin Gaethje was able to do. I'm amped, dude. If that fight happens, oh. I'm amped. I mean, look, I, I I just want to see a good fight. <laughs> I just want to see a good fight. And I think that's what we're going to see out of the Obviously, I think out of those two, we're going to see a great fight. We're going to see if Chandler can take the damage, and we're going to see if uh, Chandler can get Tony out of there and finish him like Justin Gaethje did. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So who do you say going into Dos Anjos versus Felder? Who are you going with? 
I'm going to go with Los Angeles because I am concerned about this, the fourth, the third, fourth, and fifth round because I think Los Angeles will be smart. He'll come out and he'll put the pace on him right away because he's had a full camp. Yeah, you know, I, and I think I, I agree his fight IQ that. is unbelievable. He's outstanding, and man, you know? he is. But he's always in shape, and it is the question. You know, he left the 170. He left the 155 to go to 170 for a reason, and it was the weight cut was killing him. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering what's the weight cut going to be like again because if it kills him. Paul Felder, you know, he can create problems for him. He can he can bust him up. And when you don't have, you know, a lot of energy, it's not a good place to be in the in the cage with Paul Felder. But that's why I think Dos Anjos starts fast. He tries to make him as tired as he can, and the two of them just got to grit it out in the fourth and the fifth, and we're going to see who's got the bigger balls. Let's go! Yeah. <laughs> Let's go! So it's one, of those, it's one of those fights that I'm apt to see, too. I mean, it sucks because I wanted to see Islam um, fight him, but... I, I think there's a lot of other top level guys that I'd like to see Islam fight as well, and I think it's time for him to boot like that. That uh, the um Oliveira fight, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight in Islam. There's another guy that was at the top uh, of the top five or six in there as well that I wanted to see him fight. I would love to see him fight Tony Ferguson. You know, I mean, uh, Islam and, and Tony would be a good fight. It would be. Uh, you know, Dan Hooker. That's the other name that's I was a, thinking. That's, of. that's the fight, fight I think I'd like to see. I know that Islam out, can out wrestle him, but Dan Hooker's got some power. He's got the same size. He's a little bit bigger than than Islam's height wise. Yes. And length wise. Um. So we're gonna see. And the only loss I believe that that Islam has is he got clipped by someone who jumped in, able to touch yeah. him on the chin, and you know, and get him out of there. Yeah. Look, this is a. Uh, this is gonna be a good good weekend, a good weekend of fights oh, tomorrow night really as good. well as Saturday night. And I'm excited to see these fights, man. Um, let's get into a little bit of uh, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Well, it's signed now, from what I hear. From what I hear, I read the headlines today. I said one side was already signed, and then like literally like an hour later, someone said we have ourselves a fight. Well, Conor had already verbally agreed to it. Yeah. You know, and there was the question of you know Dustin being happy with what he was being presented with and stuff, and he hadn't signed. And finally, he signed January 23rd. And so right away after that, it was, you got to fight. So it's it's the question of, yes, they fought once. Are they both different fighters today? Yes, they are. Absolutely. They both are doing things differently. Is that going to change the outcome, though? That's the question. I don't think it is. I don't either. As much as I want to see, I like to see Dustin fight. And as much as I uh, enjoy watching Connor fight and use his skills, I just think Connor's that's that tad bit ahead a little bit like just the reach he uses his reach his range no. his precision of of uh when he lands his punches his timing his and timing his distance it. control are yeah. unbelievable yeah and i think and dustin's gonna have to be careful of that especially when he's fighting someone that he has no concern about them shooting in and taking him down yeah. with a high caliber wrestling background yeah, I don't think that Dustin can take him down. If he did get him down, they could hold him down. I don't think so either. I don't think so. So that's the difference. But that's going to be a good fight. There was somebody else that was potentially in the mix of getting that fight. Like they they were talking about somebody else. Podcast Dave bringing somebody else For, in. Yeah, they were they were talking about another person having the opportunity to fight Conor McGregor. Uh, I think, oh, Justin Gaethje. They were saying that Justin Gaethje. They, I guess they were trying to work that fight where Justin got it over Poirier. And I was like, oh man. That's a shit situation. Like, if, if I'm on Poirier, I'm like, shit, yeah, I'm kissing away that. Normally, fight. if you take a look at the UFC's matchmakers, you're looking at Mitch and, and Sean. They, they, take a, you know, they take a page from Joe Silva where Joe, if he had two guys that lost, a la a Justin Gaethje lost his last fight against mm-hmm. Habib, and then you have, like, a Dan Hooker who lost his last fight against Poirier, 
you take those two guys and you put those two guys together because one of my guys is going to walk away with a win. Microphone, John. And so, what's that? Pill up. Yeah, there you go. Dude, it is right up as close as I can get this thing. <laughs> it's, it's getting to the point. It's getting almost in his nose in a way that I don't want. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's that was the that's the that's the whole system that they've used forever. And so I look at it and go. Why, you know, Connor's coming off of a win over Cowboy, even though it's a while ago. You got Gaethje coming off a loss. That's not the norm that they do. Yeah. Poirier's got the win. McGregor's got the win. That's where they start to match it up. And then we have another game. Whoever gets that, now they've got those multiple wins got in it. a row. So we'll Makes see. Sense. So, so there was Good a, job, Joe Silva. So there was a report from Ariel Hawani that um, because Poirier was the reason that the Ferguson Poirier fight didn't happen, that, that he might also be the reason that McGregor Poirier didn't happen. And so they were looking at Justin Gaethje and Connor. Uh, they're looking at him as a backup. And then they, what they did was they threatened Justin yes. to get Poirier to sign the contract. <laughs> kind of makes sense. Good well, job. Work. Good job, UFC. Yeah. Um, that tastes like vinegar coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but it was. It was good, though. It was, it was That's good business right there on their part. Well, you know, yeah. Getting it done. Yeah, I, mean, that's, hey, I, I, care, I would like you to have rather seen the Dustin Poirier fight and Connor fight more so than I would have rather seen the the Justin Gaethje Connor fight. I want to I I see, see, the, see Justin coming off of a win because I want Justin to have confidence going into that fight. And I would rather see the fight wouldn't. you said, though. The Hooker and the Ga- Gaethje yeah, fight. See, I think Hooker fight. and Gaethje is a perfect fight. That's a fucking Come on, that is a dynamite, dynamite fight. So the other thing that happened is Anderson Silva is basically, I think he's going to be released by the UFC. He's got one fight supposedly on his contract. I thought he was done. Well, no, Dana, Dana, he's got, no, he's, Dana says he's got one fight, you know, and but he won't give him another fight. Smart. So, yeah, it Smart. is. The fact that he won't give him another fight means that they, they've got to release him because you can't just hold someone in limbo yeah. if they want to continue on in their career and fight again. You've got to at least give them, you know, be able to say, yeah, well, we will give him a fight. So he's going to end up being released. And I know one of the things that people were talking about is him coming to Bellator. And, and I know that ain't going to happen. No, there's no interest. I, the conversation has always been, like, especially the last, like, probably six months is that. Bellator is not interested in signing guys anymore unless they're coming off of wins. And? And if they're young. Young killers. Young killers. That's all that they're looking for now. So, like, the, the, look, when the when Coker took over the roster, you you had, like, a handful of guys. Yeah. Eddie was in disputes with in the course. And he let him go. And he let him go because he said, look, you're not happy here. If you don't want to be here, like, I don't want to keep you here. Yep. And it was, a, it was a direct conversation. It was very... It was very uh, Civil too. Yeah, very. Coker's made it very clear, and I think Eddie's even come out and said like it was it was handled appropriate. Like soon as Scott came in, he said, "Look, if you don't want to be here, we would love to have you. But if you don't want to be here and you're going through all this stuff, it's already been kind of a stain on. If you're unhappy, I don't want. I don't want to put. Let's just let's just let you go, and hopefully we'll see you again someday. And you know, and if that's the case, then that's the case. Uh, Realistically, like you know, and then moment, and then literally within months later, they had problems with Will Brooks, and he was the champ, and they cut him too. They just released him and let him go. It really just came down to like the guys that they had here. They were they were really unhappy with the past promotion, the past you know dealings of what past not, management, past ownership. management ownership kind of thing. And so it, I shouldn't say the promotion itself. They were more mad at they were the, mad at Bjorn. Let's Bjorn, be honest. Yeah. So Bjorn. <laughs> and so when that came about, it was like Scott came in and just said, "Hey, 
let's just take care of the ones that want to be here yep. and we'll, you know, and we'll do what we can and we'll start a rebuilding phase. So when you saw the, the Kimbo slice and the data 5,000, when you saw the Ken Shamrock and Hoist, that was really just to get more eyes on Bellator to try to build up your young talent. I mean, during that time of, I mean, it's, it's it also too, you're talking when we came strike force and pride, they kind of, they made, they made their promotions off of sometimes fights like that. No, not, yeah. Not so much Strike Force as they did Pride. No, Pride. That was, but that Strike was a Force, big thing with Pride. Strike that Force, was a Japanese audience. But Strike Force was one of those companies that was able to sign Fedor and have him fight in the States where no one else had ever been able to do that before. Affliction. I mean, well, affliction. But you know what I mean? Like, is in terms of like, someone to actually get him to stay here. You know, and now, now the relationship is carried over into Bellator, which, you know, I, you know, they, there's like only a fight, I think, or two are left with Fedor, or maybe yeah. one, I think one left. Um, but overall, I think that now has been done. Like, look, we already know that they just signed, I want to say, another 15 or 18 top, top guys. A couple of them are talent, you know, the champs in LFA. A couple of them are ta- some of the champs from the uh, from the, from the ACA. I think it's ACA. Is it called ACA in, yep. uh, in yeah, Russia? Yeah, ACB. Now it's ACA. ACB, yeah. And then, you know, they've got other promotions that are around the world that just have stone-cold killers that they're trying to get signed. And so that's part of what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, hey, I don't want to say out with the old, in with the new, but they're making those gains and we're going to see a lot of them tomorrow night. You've got Amosoff and Logan Storley. Right there, I can already tell you, the buzz and the word on the street is that Logan Storley handles and does very well, doesn't handle him, but does very well with Usman, Gilbert Burns, and Robbie Lawler and those guys. Like They have taken him under his wing because he is so good. You know, and so what does that tell you? You're 11-0 and you've got guys that, that are like that, that are saying, hey, you're my main training partner. That lets you know that they have nothing but respect for you. That means that you're good. You know, I don't know if he's good enough to beat Amosov, but we're going to find out tomorrow night. And that's what makes this fun. That's what makes this That's what makes this fun between your promotion, my promotion. But guess what? These fighters don't give a shit about no, your promotion, my promotion. You want to know why? Because man. at the end of the day, I we, want, we make each other better. I want people yes. that I'm training with that make me better. People yeah. that prepare me for that next fight that I have. And it doesn't matter who you fight with. It matters how good are you and what are you going to do for me, and I'll do the same for you. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Um, where are we going with this? Well, you know, I I, I got a, uh, a a text, and the text said something about, hey, man, you know, uh, uh, John Anik, who I love, mm-hmm. Kenny Florian, who I love also, made a, made a statement about, you know, oh, you know, they, yeah, they got a great podcast, but, you know, the they – they work for Bellator and they, you know, they don't work, you know, for who we work for. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, they're right. I don't work for who you work for. In fact, you know, the fact that I don't means because you can't talk about anybody else really because that gets you in trouble where I can talk about any promotion I want where my promotion that I work for when I'm working fights, it, uh, they don't get mad at me. Yeah. So I like the position I'm, that I'm in. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think normally people would say that I'm gonna, I, I'm throwing shade. I'm not gonna throw any shade. There's, the, the, I love the, them both. The, throw the whole thing with the whole thing with, uh, believe you me, is that that's what it's called with with oh, Michael Bisping. Bisping? Yeah. That was a joke, you guys. We were having fun. Bisping is someone I can joke around with. I know Louis Kenny, Gomez, I know, good man. I know great Kony, comedian. I know I know uh, Kenny a little bit. You know uh, I. I know Anik a tiny bit. I don't know him as much as I know Kenny. But either one of them, I don't know a whole lot. My my for me, honest to God, like someone had commented in their comment section saying that, you know, I like your guys' show, but I prefer to listen to Wayne in, you know, and 
to me, that makes me feel good. I appreciate that. And when you guys comment in other people's session, that's, uh, you know, it's, I can understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I can understand where they're coming from too. But the, the bottom line is, is like John just said, is that we are an MMA podcast. We talk about MMA. Talk about everybody. And, and we, and I, I want you guys to understand this. The reason why Joe Rogan's podcast is so popular is he can talk about whatever the fuck he wants. And guess what? When it comes to combat sports, I can talk about with John about whatever the fuck I want. That's it. Okay. And that's what's going to make our podcast better than all of theirs is that I can do and say whatever I want. And sure, maybe I'll get a little bit of backlash, but this is our podcast, you know, and the now sure if Scott was to call me and say, hey, can you dial it back on this? You know, I probably would because guess what? You have a lot of respect for people that they were for you there. But then in respect, though, Scott also has respect for us to say, hey, it's your guys's business. You know, just, let's just try to keep in total line when it comes to talking beneficial about everyone. I've gotten on Bellator guys about not performing. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I, and I have no problem. I get on them during the broadcast as well, you know, and, and I let them know, like, look, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. And, and that's part of being a commentator. But one thing I will say is that this podcast, the reason why we do it is we're going to start talking more about boxing as well here coming up. You know, when there's more boxing matches. To Terrence Crawford. About. Terrence Crawford coming up. But there's more bo- when there's more combat sports to talk about, we will start doing that. There's not anyone saying that we can't talk about these things. And that's the thing. That's the reason why shows like Rogan, shows like Brennan was able to start doing it. Because they can grow because they're not locked down by any one promotion or any one person telling them what to do. So as much as I respect both those guys and I respect the believe you, me and uh, being you, I don't even know if it's, but I think it's believe you, me. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Biz I love you. Believe I love you. Biz um, that's just the same. Hey, hey Biz is going to be, he's, uh, you know, he's in the acting stuff. He got a, he got a lead role in some uh, series. Really? Yeah. He's playing. You're going to be playing the part of a, um, a pirate of a a pug no not a pirate, pirate stop god damn it yeah, that's a, so mean basically a uh, journeyman fighter who's got a you know career of like 11 wins 85 losses and they're trying to get him to stop and uh, it's gonna be a, a series and so congratulations Holy michael film. oh stop dude. <laughs> i'm Van sorry Holyfield, man <laughs> Van Van Holyfield's champion of the world i man. know i know journeyman yeah. fighter trying to get him to stop oh jesus listen you journeyman fighter you you actually <laughs> said journeyman and evander holyfield the same sentence he got to the smack point yourself he got to the just point though your, he got to the just point smack yourself you actually knocked a little spit out of your mouth <laughs> <laughs> you actually I do that a lot I thought maybe like at the 80 years old, they're going to like clean you, <laughs> yeah. you know, use the wife. I, I get it. I understand. Uh, that's good. I'm, I'm, that's amp, I'm amp for him, man. Look, it's, yeah, I, I like this big. I like his energy. I like his charisma. I love everything about him, man. I know, I know that a lot of people probably don't like him, but I like him. So hey, as far as with the Kenny and the uh, Anik thing, hey guys, keep doing you. It's on you. You know, it's your show. Uh, but like I said, I'm here to talk about combat sports. I'm not here to, to toe the line for anyone. This is our podcast. You know, and this is uh, this is what we want to do. We want to make sure we bring you as much uh, about fights in general, all fights. And we're going to talk about one FC as well. Oh yeah. You know, whenever we see fights that are over there, we don't get as much feed out of them because the time change. And but when not- when DJ's fighting, when people that you know yeah. people are actually have an idea about, you can't talk about guys that they have people have no idea about. Well, yeah. when Eddie's fighting over there or DJ's fighting, we're going to talk. Yeah. About it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's people in uh, PFL that we talk about. I love talking about Lance Palmer. Kayla Harrison's going Kayla over Harrison's to going Invicta, Invicta at 145. Is she going to make that weight? I told you. You did, and I, I still did. don't I believe she's going to make. I weight. told you. I don't know Kayla, if, she if you make that weight. I am super impressed. 
If you make that weight, Kayla, I'm just telling you, I'd like to see that fight between you and Cyborg. I'm <laughs> intent, tent, intent, tent. Yeah. I'd like to see that fight. I would. Tell me you wouldn't like to see that fight. I would love to see that fight. Thank you. It would be Thank great. you. I Kayla, mean, you, you talk about freaking an awesome athlete, incredible technique. Her judo is legit. Yeah. But if here's the thing. If she's able to get to 45, and and I'm not wishing this upon the PFL, but if they do close up shop, I would be very interested to have her come. Because, I mean, if, I don't know if the UFC is going to have 145 on division much longer. That's a fight that was canceled. Yeah. Amanda Nunez was supposed to fight Megan Anderson. Yep. Amanda pulled it out. So supposedly it's going to 2021. But I still have the prediction if Amanda wins that, which she's going to win that fight. I'm sorry. What do they do? They don't have anyone. So they're going to close that division down. They've yeah. got because they've only got really two ladies being Felicia Spencer and now Megan Anderson. And then the champ, obviously, mm-hmm. I guess that's three ladies. So I'm, I'm not covering that one right but math is three late well because that's because amanda, amanda goes down to 135 she's the like champ there too Dave. so <laughs> scottish anyway, math huh scottish math it's, it's, it's almost math. like common core <laughs> <laughs> oh hey guys uh i hope you guys enjoyed the show we're here in the bellator city it's tomorrow cbs sports uh you guys can catch some the live you guys can catch it live i'm amped make sure you guys go to mybookie.com use the promo code wayne in they will double your guys' first initial deposit. So if you deposit $100, they'll give you another $100. You'll have $200 to spend. All the way up to $1,000. So if you deposit $1,000, they'll give you another $1,000 to gamble with. That is your money that they're going to give you to go ahead and spend on any betting lines you'd like. Use the promo code weighing in. That helps uh, you guys get that, that first initial deposit. Hey, have fun. Enjoy some of those bets we told you to go ahead and take a look at at mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. And if you want cool shirts, we've got a bunch of them over at ProWrestlingTees.com. And we probably put this cool one That's out awesome. there because this is awesome. <laughs> Go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Use the code FIGHT all the way up to December 31st, and you'll get 20% off on the cool T-shirts that we have. And I only got one last thing. Hold to on, say. hold on. What I, is that? Dave, Dave. Yeah. Dave, is it fight or is it fit? <laughs> Fit. It's a fat. It's fit. <laughs> One of our fans sent me a thing saying F I F E S I F E G H T. It's not working. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, th- I don't fit? understand. I put it's I put fit, fit in there. Hey, I'll take that shit all day because I got some more followers off of that, so I don't care. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. We're gonna leave you guys today. right now. We're gonna leave you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hit the thumbs up on our YouTube channel that shares our stuff. And it's like Dave's like to say is when you hit the thumbs up, that keeps you from seeing Ariel Hawani stuff, John Annex stuff, <laughs> believe you me stuff that puts our stuff on other people's feeds. So go ahead and hit that thumbs up. We thank you guys. We saw a couple comments in about, Hey, that's brilliant. That's why we like to hit the thumbs up for you guys. Torture them. And there's one last thing to say, John. See ya. See ya. See ya.